guide our worship in this time. God, we pray for your spirit to be present among us in this moment. Come, Lord, come. Amen. Good morning. It's my pleasure to welcome all of you to Calvary Baptist Church this morning, but especially on behalf of the ministers, the staff, and the membership, we want to give a special welcome to those of us, those of, of you who are visiting with us this morning. And there are many. I actually met several before the service started. Some are here to be a part of the deacon ordination. Others are here because they enjoyed it last week and are back. So that's always a good sign. But if you are here as a visitor, there are cards like this in the pews in front of you. If you would give us the pleasure of knowing that you are here by filling this out, if there is a need that we can meet in your life, you can indicate that on your, this card. And uh, God will honor your visit and our time together today. We have just a short business uh, Thing that we need to take care of, so I call to the moderator to the platform. All right, so I'm going to call us into a, a very brief business session and invite up Josh Caballero uh, representing the Coordinating Council. Thanks, Joel. In accordance with our personnel policies and procedures, the Coordinating Council would like to recommend for approval the following names to serve upon the Children's Search Committee. Doug Weaver, Tiffany Hogue, Shannon Farquhar Cadell, Chad Eggleston, Nicole Guthrie, and Tiffany Love to serve as an alternate. All right, this does not require a motion or a second because it comes from the Council, so just all in favor of affirming this slate of members, please indicate by an uplifted right hand. All opposed by same sign, the motion passes. That concludes this business portion. We have, all, we have all seen, heard, and experienced the invocation of the Holy Spirit to be a part of this service. This will be our last uh, sermon in this series related to the Holy Spirit and being Pentecost people. Think a moment. What do you think a Pentecost person looks like? Is it you? As we gather to worship this morning, let's sing like Pentecost people, let's pray like Pentecost people, let's love like Pentecost people.
of divine allows excelling joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies shown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation, enter every trembling. troubled rest. Let us all in thee inherit. Let us find that promised rest. Take away our bed to sinning. Alpha and Omega be. End of faith as its beginning. Set our hearts at liberty. Come, Almighty, to deliver, let us all thy life receive. Suddenly return and never, never more thy temples Serve thee as thy hosts above. Pray and praise thee without ceasing. Glory in thy perfect to be in your house this morning. We've had full weeks and we need now to pause and reorient our hearts and minds toward you. Some of us experience great joy this week and for that we celebrate, but others of us worried, ached, and mourned, and today we need to feel your loving touch. God, as a church, we invite your Holy Spirit to empower us to act and grow. What might you have in store for us this year? Help us now to listen and respond. Amen. Oh, me close. 
has this great quote, and he says, whenever something bad is happening, to look for the helpers. And I've thought about that a lot this week in light of Hurricane Florence and all of the disaster that is happening along our East Coast, and I've seen God's presence in the helpers. And as I look at this body of people who we will be ordaining today to be our new deacons, these are some of our helpers at Calvary. Deacons are some of the first responders to different pastoral care needs in our congregation and community here at Calvary. You may see them greeting people in the Welcome Center or serving communion here in worship, but they do so much that is not seen outside of our time together on Sundays. They visit our senior adults. They coordinate meals. They sit with people in pain. They visit those who are in the hospital, and they are praying They are a praying people who hold our community and the needs of this place in prayer. Deacons at Calvary paint a beautiful picture for all of us of what it means to offer our love, our care, our kinship, and our hopes to one another in this place. So we are very thankful to this new group of deacons for their willingness to respond to God's call of service here at Calvary. We would love for you to introduce yourself and to share with us a way that you sense the Spirit is leading you to serve at Calvary. As each of you respond, we will present you with a towel, a tangible reminder that you are not taking a position of pride or power, but of selfless service in the way of Jesus, who bent down on his knees and washed the feet of others. I'm Bobby. Um, I've been helping out with the youth ministry for the past year. One of the ways that I think that God is, or that I sense God is leading me to serve is continually looking for those that need help or that are looking for a home at Calvary that I found. I'm Tiffany Rose, and I feel like the Spirit is leading me to be a spirit of hospitality, to make sure our visitors and members feel welcome, included, and loved by their church family. 
I'm Evan Fleming. Uh, also, for the past year, I've been serving with the youth ministry, and I feel called to continue with those relationships and to seek ways that I could humbly serve our church body here at Calvary. Good morning. I'm Melissa Gorton, and I sense the Holy Spirit leading me to pray in His power for our church. I'm Jamie Fulton, and I feel called to pay attention and to see the needs, to learn of the needs in the church, and to be part of the community that helps take care of those. I'm Kevin Tankersley. Growing up in a Baptist church, deacons were important to our church family and to my family, and I hope to continue that tradition. I'm Elise Jones, and I sense the Spirit leading me to be a welcoming, um, loving, and understanding presence to the Calvary family and to all those who enter this space. Good morning. My name is Jim Roberts, and I've been hearing that small, still voice that has quickly transformed into more of a shout, telling me I need to dig deeper and serve more wholeheartedly. We also want to extend a special thank you to those who are rotating off of the deacon body this year. You can see their names listed in the announcement sheet of your worship folder. But I want to give a special thanks to Ed Davis, who has been our chair of deacons for the past year and a half. And Ed, you stepped up in a particularly important time in the life of our church And your leadership has not only been such a gift to Calvary, but it has been such a gift to me. And I can't tell you how much it meant to start my first year as pastor with your strong leadership by my side. So thank you for being the hands and feet of Christ in this place. And thank you for your steadfast and faithful leadership this past year and a half. And now I'd like to ask a question of our new deacons. Will you inspire us to live faithfully, be sensitive and compassionate to those in need, minister to everyone without exception, live with integrity, and devote devote yourselves to God's word and prayer? And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, will you do it all in the name of Jesus? Please respond with God's help. I will. With God's help, I will. And now I'd like to ask a question of Calvary. Will you in the Calvary family pray for and encourage these deacons in their ministries? And will you participate with them fully and wholeheartedly in serving our church and community? Please respond, with God's help, we will. Our deacons will be scattered around the sanctuary in just a moment during this time of ordination. We ask that you approach the deacon nearest to you, lay hands on him or her, and as you feel led, please voice aloud a prayer for God's blessing for them and for their faithful service in the coming years. God, we pray that your spirit would equip and empower Bobby, Tiffany, Evan, Kevin, Jim, Jamie, Melissa, and Elise. Give them what they need to serve you faithfully and well in the coming years. And we pray that your spirit will equip and empower all of us as we seek to be your presence in our church, our community, and world. Amen. Oh. 
Psalms. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all humankind. From where he sits enthroned, he watches all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions them, the hearts of them all, and observes all their deeds. A king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a vain hope for victory, and its great might it cannot save. Truly, the eye on the Lord is on who fear them, on those who hope in a steadfast love to deliver their soul from the dead and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. A reading from the epistle to the Galatians. Live by the Spirit, I say and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not subject to law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
have all the children join me at the front. That would be awesome. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Well, you look good, so that's half the battle, right? All right. So I have several questions for you this morning, but my first one is, can somebody tell me what a symbol is? Jada. Something that shows something in a picture. Good. Steal what you got, man. Yeah. Yeah, good. So in Egypt or in other cultures before there were letters, they used symbols to read and do other things like that. Good. What you got? Like the at sign, right? Good. Yes, sir. The, the signs. Yeah. All right, so I have some symbols. I have a little symbol quiz. I'm going to show you a picture, and you tell me what this symbol means, okay? Are you ready? A restroom, good. You got to know that symbol, right? What about this? Stop. I hope your parents know that symbol. What about this? Recycle. Y'all are so good at this quiz. Oh. Thumbs up, what does that mean? Good job. Good job, I got it, right? Apple. Yeah, but well, not like apple you eat. What kind of apple? Like a phone, right? Oh, peace. Very good. Y'all were good at that. So earlier today, we had some people come up here that are going to be deacons, right? Did y'all see that happen? Did you see what Mary Alice gave to them? A towel, right? And a towel is also a symbol. There's a story in the Bible that that towel reminds us of, that it's a symbol for. And it's in John chapter 13. And Jesus' disciples had been out walking and working and doing things with him. And they came in to eat and Jesus did something with them. You know, back then, what kind of, if they wore shoes, what kind of shoes did they wear? Sandals, Sandals right. So, or no shoes at all. So what would happen to their feet? They would get disgusting, right, Katie? Exactly right. My feet get disgusting with shoes. And so it was pretty normal for someone to wash their feet, right, after they had been out. But that night, somebody really special decided to wash their feet. Who? Jesus washed their feet. Exactly. And that towel is a reminder for all of us that we are supposed to serve others just like Jesus served his disciples. Now, it doesn't always mean we're going to wash people's feet, right? There are lots of other ways to serve people. Can you think of a way to serve people? Good. Give them things they need, right? What else? Walk their dog or something? Clean their room? Oh my goodness. So what we're going to do today is we're actually going to wash each other's feet. Do you see these water basins over here? So there's three stations. So you can, in just a second when I tell you, you can go and get in line in one of those three spots. And these three young ladies right up here are going to be helping us do that. The first person will sit down and the person behind them is going to splash water over their feet. There's a towel there and you'll dry your feet. Okay. And we'll be there to help you. Okay. All right. So we're going to do that now.
right there behind Davis, too, if you want to turn. Wash me through and through and cleanse me from my sin. Wash me through and through, come Holy Spirit Wash me through and through and cleanse me from my sin. Wash me through and through, come Holy Spirit God, may the words in my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 525,600 minutes, 525,000 moments so dear. 5,000, 25,600 minutes, how do you measure, measure a year? In daylights, in sunsets, in midnights, in cups of coffee, in inches, in miles, in laughter, in strife, in 525,600 minutes, how do you measure a year in life? Way to go. <laughs> so, how do you measure a life, as the hit Broadway musical Rent asks us to consider? And more specifically, as we have been asking ourselves over the past few weeks at Calvary, how do you measure a life of following the Spirit? What does it even look like? Well, as the song asks, how about love? As we discovered the first week of the series, we can trust in the power of the Spirit to help us to do the things we could never imagine doing on our own. And we can experience the unity of the Spirit, as Mandy McMichael shared with us the second week, a kind of unity that brings a diverse group of people together who would otherwise have nothing in common. And then like we talked about last week, we can be people who live with the boldness of the Spirit, people who can't help but sharing about what God is doing in their midst. But even if we trust in the power of the Spirit, and even if we experience the unity of the Spirit, and even if we live with the boldness of the Spirit, all of this means nothing if you and I aren't known by the love of the Spirit. Otherwise, we are nothing more than a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, as 1 Corinthians 13 tells us. I love the way that Eugene Peterson translates this famous love passage in the message he says, if I speak with human eloquence, but don't love, I'm nothing more but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's words with power, revealing all of God's mysteries and making everything as plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, 
I'm nothing. If I give all I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've got nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Friends, a life of the Spirit is bankrupt without love. Love may be the focus of the very last sermon of this series, but I think it's at the very top of the list of what it means for us to be Pentecost people. It's also at the top of another list we find in Scripture in today's text in Galatians 5. If we live by the flesh, the writer says, our lives will be characterized by the works of the flesh, by human things. But if we live by the Spirit, our lives will be characterized by the work of the Spirit, by holy things, by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I know we know a few other songs about the fruit of the Spirit, too, don't we? Now, I don't know about you, but I was always taught that love was just one of the many fruits of the Spirit. And I was taught about them in like this big bowl of actual fruit that we would pass around the classroom. But notice here that the word fruit is actually singular. It's not plural. Many scholars interpret it to mean that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then everything else in that list that follows is meant to be descriptive of love. New Testament scholar Charles Cusar says this, love is not one characteristic of the Christian life, which can be numbered alongside many others. It is inherent in what it means to be led by the Spirit. One of the comments I've heard throughout this series is that sometimes we're hesitant to talk about the Spirit because by its very nature it can seem so subjective. For instance, what do we do when one person says that the Spirit is leading them to do one thing, and then for someone else, the same Spirit might lead them to disagree or even to do the opposite? What about when the Spirit leads one person to interpret Scripture in one way that is completely contradictory to what another person says the Spirit is leading them to believe? How can the same Spirit lead us to do such different things? or to believe in such different ways. I must admit that even as we come to the end of this worship series, I still have more questions than answers about the Spirit and how it works in our world and in our lives. The Spirit is mysterious, and just when you think you have it figured out, it surprises you again. But what I do understand from today's text, I believe, helps us to take an important step toward understanding the work of the Spirit, and that is this, that wherever the Spirit is involved, love is going to be so very evident, because the fruit of the Spirit is love. Charles Cusar again says this, he says, There may be no foolproof method of documenting the Spirit's presence in a human life, but we can follow the Spirit's tracks by seeing evidences of love. Therefore, if one's so-called Spirit-led activity ends in needless enmity, strife, jealousy, and dissension, then it is a safe bet that the Spirit has had nothing to do with it. Now, the sad reality of our world today is that Christians, as a whole, are not always known by the love of the Spirit. We're just not. In fact, I googled this question, what are Christians known for? And the very first link said this, today Christians are more known by what they are against than what they are for. But can you imagine what might happen if the church were really known for having a spirit of love, if people flocked to the church because here they experience a spirit of belonging and welcome and a love like no other, a love that they don't encounter in any other place in their lives. Think about how that might change the church, how it might change our community, 
and how it might change our world. Do you remember earlier this year when the world was mesmerized at Reverend Michael Curry's homily at the royal wedding of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry? I think part of what was so captivating and inspiring and refreshing about that moment was that Curry was calling all of us back to the power of love. An article in Newsweek noted that his wedding sermon followed a week that included a school shooting in Santa Fe that claimed 10 lives and the killing of more than 60 Palestinian protesters that day at the opening of the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem, not to mention the hateful rhetoric that has become so normal in today's world. And yet even in the midst of all of this, he challenged the world to imagine a love so powerful that it could completely change the world. In his 13-minute sermon, he mentioned the word love 60 times. And the world was mesmerized. I think especially meaningful for us today is, is what we see at the end of Curry's sermon when he said this. He said, French Jesuit Pierre Teilhard de Chardin was arguably one of the great minds and spirits of the 20th century. And in some of his writings, from his scientific background as well as his theological background, he said that the discovery or invention or harnessing of fire was one of the great scientific and theological discoveries in all of human history. Fire, to a great extent, he said, made human, human civilization possible. Fire made it possible to cook food and to provide sanitary ways of eating, which reduced the spread of disease in its time. Fire made it possible to heat warm environments and thereby made human migration around the world a possibility, even into colder climates. There was no Bronze Age without fire, no Iron Age without fire, no Industrial Revolution without fire. The advances of science and technology are greatly dependent on the human ability and capacity to take fire and use it for human good. Anybody get here in a car today? An automobile, he said. Nod your heads if you did, because I know there were some carriages. But for those of us who came in cars, fire, harnessed fire made that possible. I know the Bible says it, and I believe it, that Jesus walked on water, but I have to tell you, I did not walk across the Atlantic Ocean to get to this wedding today. Controlled fire in that plane made it possible. Fire makes it possible for us to text and tweet and email and Instagram and Facebook and socially be dysfunctional with each other. Fire makes all of that possible, and de Chardin said fire was one of the greatest discoveries in all of human history. And then he went on to say that if humanity ever harnesses the energy of love, well, it will be like the second time in history that we have discovered fire. Dr. King was right, he said, we must discover love, the redemptive power of love. And when we do that, we will make of this old world a brand new world. Perhaps it's no coincidence that when the very first Pentecost people are suddenly covered with tongues of fire when the Spirit comes, like we read about in Acts 2, and like those first Pentecost people, if you and I begin to harness the energy of the Spirit, I believe we too will discover that fiery, life-changing, redemptive power of God's love. A love that has the power to change the world. It has from the very beginning. After all, it's because God so loved the world that Jesus came that we might have life. And even at the very end of our lives, love is the only thing that lasts, isn't it? For love is as strong as death, the Song of Solomon says. Its passion fierce as the grave. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. Love is a powerful way that the Spirit works in the world today. 
Five weeks ago, Brody Allen's parents were told that their two-year-old's rare form of brain cancer meant that he has two months to live, said an article that was published in the New York Times just yesterday. And the little boy's family realized that he probably wouldn't be here to enjoy one more Christmas. So they decided to celebrate early, putting up a tree and decorations at their house outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. But then the most incredible and I believe spirit-led thing happened. Their neighborhood began to decorate for Christmas too. Brody's health has deteriorated so that he no longer has the energy of a toddler or the use of his left arm or his left leg. He likes to be outside, so he often sits in a red wagon with a blanket thrown over him and a hoodie pulled over his head while his siblings pull their arm, pull him around their neighborhood outside of Cincinnati. And from his neighborhood, he can see an inflatable Minnie and Mickey Mouse, a snowman, Santa Claus and a Christmas tree, and that's all in the yard of a lady named Barbara Elliott, a neighbor whose home is one of six in his cul-de-sac that has been fully decorated for Christmas. Ryan Simpson, 34, who said he is known as the Christmas guy in his community for all of his Christmas decorations, appeared at Brody's door with a plastic tote filled with lights and decorations and helped the family decorate every inch inside and outside their house. And Mr. Simpson just kept going back day after day to add all the decorations he could find. And then he started helping the neighbors decorate their houses, too. When Brody saw it, he couldn't believe it. He has been animated ever since, they said. Our next-door neighbor, who only speaks Spanish, took down all of her fall stuff and put up snowflakes and poinsettias and did garland on her fence and lights, Brody's mom said. We even got 25 Christmas cards in the mail yesterday. (laughs) And now the community is planning a Christmas parade for Brody. The parade is scheduled for September 23rd and will feature Santa Claus and a fire truck, Christmas carolers, and all of Brody's favorite superheroes. Brody has good days and bad days, the article said. But with these efforts, he has a lot of good moments. What does the work of the Spirit look like in our world today? It looks like that. You see, in the end, our lives are not measured by the number of emails we send or respond to, as important as they may seem right now. It's not about the grades we got in school or whether we made the winning shot at the game. It's not about how popular we are or how many Facebook friends or Instagram followers we have or if we had a date to the prom. It won't be our job title or degree or the letters behind our name that will matter. It won't be about how much money we made or if we made any money at all. It's not about any of these things. I know we know that, but sometimes I think we spend our time and our energy and our lives as if maybe we need a reminder. Ultimately, you and I are given 1,440 minutes in a day. 10,080 minutes in a week, and 525,600 minutes in a year. And it all, at the end of all the years of our life, however long or not long it may be, love is what remains. And so, friends, may we be people who are brave enough to harness the energy of God's love a love that just might light a spark, or a fire, or even a neighborhood full of Christmas lights. A love that can change the world. How does that happen? It's the Spirit of God, honey. It makes a little voice big, a shy person brave, and takes an ordinary dim little life and makes it a bright life for the world. And so, God, of all the things that we have talked about and learned and discovered through this series, may we be known for being a people of love. 
May our church be known for being a people of love, a place where your spirit is so evident and near because your love is so evident and near. It's easy to become distracted and focused on so many other things that we think are so important. But at the end of the day, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And so may we be people who seek to follow your Spirit wherever it leads. And may we be a people who are known by your love. We ask this in your name. Amen. A life of the Spirit is ultimately a life of love. And that love has been evident from the very beginning. We know that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Maybe you're ready to begin living as a Pentecost person, as someone who boldly and bravely seeks to follow Jesus and to walk in the way of the Spirit wherever it leads. There's no better time to do that than today. Or maybe you want to join our community of faith here at Calvary, where we seek to follow the Spirit together in the best ways we know how. We would love to welcome you into our church family today. And so however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary, ready to receive you and to pray with you as we continue in worship. Brothers, let us come together, walking in the Spirit. There's much to be done. We will come reaching out from our comforts, and they will know us by our love. Sisters, we were made for kindness. We can pierce the darkness as he shines through us. We will come reaching with a song of healing, and they will know us by Please know us by our love, the love that we show with our hands, the love that we show with our hearts, the love that we show with our minds, and the love that we show with the generosity of what you have given to us, O God. 
Let us offer that freely right now. Amen. say a special thank you to Jennifer Hobbs and to all of the artists who have led us during this series. Thank you for sharing your gifts and creativity with us. We are going to be framing all the pieces of art that we've created throughout this series and hanging them around the church, um, and so be looking forward to that. I also want to call David McLean if he would come up here with me. This is the last Sunday here at Calvary for the McLean family, um, and unfortunately, Caroline is, is home with a sick Zoe, but David is here to represent them today. The McLeans are moving to Tulsa, Oklahoma to be closer to family so that Caroline can help her family with some health issues. And David is, is looking for employment right now. And you all have been such a vital part of this church, of our young adult ministry and community garden and in so many ways at Calvary. And so we will miss you so much being part of the Calvary family. And Calvary asks that we um, keep them in prayer as they make this transition, and particularly Caroline's family in the days ahead. David, if you would walk out with me, I would love for people to be able to greet you on their way out of worship today. If you are new to Calvary, we are especially glad that you are here today, and we hope that you'll stay and join us for lunch in our fellowship hall. Um, so go out these back doors, take a left, and then down the stairs to your right, or down the elevator in the Welcome Center. Um, allow us the chance to greet you, to share lunch with you, and get to know you better. Remember that a week from today, our fall small groups will be starting. We have eight different groups to choose from on Sunday through Thursday evenings. And I really hope everyone will be a part of this. It'll be a great way to respond to what we'll be doing in worship and learning about. Um, and I hope you'll join a group where you don't know many people. One of the biggest gifts, I think, of this shorter-term small group series is the new relationships that have popped up all around our church. So thank you to everyone who's hosting and leading and who is a part of that. You can sign up in the hallway as you leave today or in the link that's on Facebook and in the tower. And then lastly, this is the last week that we will be singing our beloved benediction for a while. And so I say sing it loud and sing it proud and maybe even dance a little bit. Uh, Deirdre Fulton was telling me this week, she has a friend who studies New Testament, and he mentioned to her that the New Testament churches were a bit more rock and roll and a bit more alive with the Spirit than many of us would be comfortable with today. So let's rock and roll it out with the Spirit today. Go in peace, go in love, go 
Until later, go in peace. <laughs> All right.